0: Hello and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series Podcast. This week we're discussing with Pastor Ken Carlson about Isaiah 52 and 53, Jesus as the Suffering Servant. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Welcome back to the podcast. This week we are in Isaiah 52 and into chapter 53. We are studying the Suffering Servant. So this past Sunday was Palm Sunday, and one of the Bible passages that depict this day is Matthew 21, verse 1 through 7. And on the surface here, Matthew is uh, just giving an account for how Jesus entered Jerusalem. But if we observe the text a little bit deeper, we can see that there is a scene of what is fulfilling the Scripture. Prophecy in, in question here that Matthew is quoting is, say, to the daughter of zion behold your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a beast of burden as we look at this this overall glimpse into the day it wasn't a, a huge part of the of the entry but it does say something about jesus and his understanding of prophecy and his his goal of fulfilling those bits of prophecy and let's take a minute and review some of the details of the previous two Servant Songs. Pastor Ken?
1: Yeah, so we, uh, we jumped in the uh, middle of March looking at this, uh, starting in the four Servant Songs in Isaiah. Um, remember, this is about 700 years before Jesus entered uh, human history. Um, Prophet Isaiah is writing about uh, someone who is going to come to usher in. A time of hope and restoration the one the hope and restoration that God had been promising Israel um, what Israel had failed so there are these four uh, what we call servant songs in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah is foretelling different aspects of this servants uh, personhood um, of the work that he's going to accomplish of his identity um, so in the middle of March, we jumped into that, and we looked at Isaiah 42, and there we, we saw that this uh, servant is going to be one who's uh, filled with the Spirit, and he's going to bring forth justice to the nations, and we know that Jesus is that is that uh, servant. So um, that first servant song had to do really with the justice of God and the fact that this, uh, the servant uh, is filled with the Spirit and accomplishes God's justice uh, absolutely uh, perfectly. Then we looked, uh, then Pastor Dave brought us to Isaiah 49, the beginning part of Isaiah 49, uh, where Jesus is seen as the prophetic servant, um, that everything about him is true, everything he says, everything he does is true, and he better be believed. Uh, Then Pastor James uh, brought us to Isaiah 50, which was the third serving song, and that really looked at the perfection of the servant. Um, The servant is perfect. He he. He brings forth obedience. His obedience is um, what brings us uh, life. So uh, then you get to the fourth servant song. And that is, uh, as Marcus noted, end of uh, 52, Isaiah chapter 52, beginning of Isaiah 53. Now, this one we broke into two sections because the first half really deals with the suffering aspect. The second half deals with the uh, victory aspect. And obviously it would be... Um, You know, pretty uh, timely uh, and appropriate to talk about the uh, victorious aspect of the servant on Easter Sunday. Um, So that's that's where we are. That's uh, where we've been. And that's where we'll be going this week.
0: And again, just because the Bible, when it divides up chapters, uh, is not how it was always intended uh, from Isaiah. He's writing on a scroll Um, so it's, it's not like when we go from, uh, chapter 52 to chapter three, that it's a hard break, that it's a completely different content. It's just where there was in the past, a group of people decided, here's a clear delineation where we need to break the chapter here. Um, whether if it was on a separate scroll or whatever, their resources told them, they decided that at a certain point, 52 stopped here and 53 began here. So we don't have to, to to worry too much about. Well, this this is two different ideas. No, it's it's one continuous bit of scripture.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, the you know, obviously, we say all scripture is God breathed, all scripture is inspired and inerrant. Um, what we don't mean when we say that is the chapter divisions and and the verses. Those are not uh, inspired because those were not in the original writings. Again, that was put uh, many 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 centuries later. Um, To aid, to aid our study, to aid our reading, and then obviously also to be able to point people to a particular part instead of, you know, saying, go to, when you have a book like Isaiah that's so big, they're saying, well, go to the the middle portion of Isaiah where it starts with this word. It's so much easier to (laughs) divide it into chapters and verses. So yeah, but that is not inspired.
0: Now you summarize the passage by providing that the humble king paid the infinite cost of my every sin... Uh, with three supporting points uh, that one jesus suffered humiliation so we can be exalted and that's verses 13 through 15. Uh, jesus suffered rejection so that we can be accepted and that's the first three verses of 53 and jesus suffered execution so that we could be redeemed and that's verses 4 through 6 of 53. now jesus knew what was about to happen
1: yeah, so the cent- uh, I'll, I'll talk about that main point in those three points real quick. So because the central theme of Isaiah, of this, this fourth servant song, the central theme is substitutionary atonement, right? So the death of, of an innocent substitute um, for the sins um, of um, guilty people. Um, so Isaiah couldn't see Israel as this innocent substitute for the sins of the world. Um, in fact, all throughout Isaiah, he's denouncing the nation's wickedness and evil and failures. Um, so uh, that's why, if if you notice that the way I stated the big idea, um, you know, the humble king who pay, he paid the cost of our every sin, of my every sin, and then you see the the substitution in those three points: um, his his suffering, humiliation, our exaltation, and so forth. Uh, so. So yeah, it's 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 very clear that um, that the big thrust of this uh, Isaiah fifty three is substitutionary uh, atonement, and really to to understand that you have to understand a little bit about the the animal sacrificial system because um, that it was the blood of the substitute the substituted animal that removed the death penalty for sin. Um, again, it's not like there was something magic in this; it was just um, this this kind of a what's called penal substitution, uh, depended on God uh, and his power to transfer the guilt from the guilty person, the guilty party, to the innocent substitute. Um, and you see that symbolized in Leviticus. You know, you have the high priest Aaron putting his hand on the head of an animal. Um, and what he's doing is he's putting Israel's sins on the goat's head. Um, again, it's mysterious, but God claims the right to do it. Um, so that's the what you see woven throughout this entire, entire chapter.
0: Now, Jesus, knowing what was about to happen, he obeyed the Father anyhow, and the writer of Hebrews puts it this way in chapter 12, "...let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame." And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and and that that just tells you the attitude that Jesus had. We know in the garden he prayed, "Let this cup pass from me, but your will be done." And and he Jesus could see past the execution; he could see past that, and he knew that there was joy on the other side, and uh, that joy was with us. Praise be to God that that he was willing to do that.
1: Praise be to God indeed. Yeah, it's uh there are seven times in the New Testament uh where Isaiah 53 is actually quoted. It's uh some people have referred to I think I, I heard someone refer to Isaiah 53 as the Mount Everest of uh, Old Testament prophecy. Um so many times where Isaiah 53 is quoted. Um I'll give you just a a couple uh, quick examples of that. So uh, in Matthew um what you, what you see in um Matthew chapters 8 and 9, Jesus is uh, he's exercising uh, some, some power, his, his Holy Spirit power. Uh, chapter 8, he's cleansing a leper. Um, he's healing a servant. Um, he, that's in, in Matthew 8 is when he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, then, um, then you get to chapter 8, uh, verse 16, and Matthew says this, Then, uh, when uh, evening has come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed uh, all that were sick. And then it goes on and you, you see the there's a connection there that Matthew makes it clear that this was the fulfillment of Isaiah 53:4, who he himself took our uh, infirmities, our iniquities, and bore our sicknesses. Um, so you see there, you see in John 12, uh, in John 12, the author is quoting Isaiah 53 verse 1, um, who says, but though he had done so many miracles, so many signs before them, they didn't believe him. They believed not on him um th- then the saying of isaiah the prophet was fulfilled um who has believed that report so those so just uh, just a few instances but um you, there are so many new testament references to isaiah 53 so it's very clear that the new testament writers are are making it so obvious that jesus is the servant of isaiah 53 isaiah 53 is all about jesus
0: wonderful now looking at uh Isaiah 52, 13-15, and the contrast between the servant's exaltation to a position of ultimate authority and his appalling disfigurement, uh, I, I I do think back like what you were saying with the Levites and how they had to prepare the animal uh, for it to be an acceptable sacrifice to God. It wasn't just... On certain sacrifices, yeah, they they just slit the throat and they did. But there was prescribed things of how God wanted the animal butchered before it was put on the burnt offering to be an acceptable sacrifice to God. And so, in my mind, it's not a stretch to say that what Jesus went through was nothing less than being prepared to be butchered for the sacrifice.
1: Yeah, really, really, really good point there. In fact, um, and I can't remember if I mentioned this or not. Verse fourteen, um, where it says, "As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred." The word "marred" is actually um, a word that they use to describe the disfigurement of uh, an of a bloodied animal sacrifice. Um, so, good good connection there.
0: Now, Isaiah fifty two thirteen does start with, "Behold, my servant will act wisely." And we know that Proverbs nine ten describes those that, that are wise as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And as we discussed a moment ago, Jesus being willing to obey the Father and suffer these things, it was through his obedience that we're able to fulfill this prophecy via the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so that verse 13, you know, it's uh I, I i don't know i'm not sure isaiah intended it this way but there it is cool um because there is a correlation this you know behold my servant shall act wisely jesus acted wisely he lived a perfect life he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted some people you know i've heard that referred to you know she he shall be high his, his resurrection he shall be um um, uh, I'm sorry he, he shall be high his crucifixion he'll be he shall be lifted up his resurrection and he shall be exalted his uh, ascension um, so you know kind of verse 13 is a, a little snapshot of his entire ministry um, but uh, so that's that's one way that you could look at at that verse but certainly then after reading 13 you get to 14 and you see that um, this servant uh, is utterly humiliated and mutilated and disfigured beyond recognition
0: now in the discussion questions you asked in what way was christ disfigured beyond a a normal human being Uh, in your eyes how did these verses make the agony of the cross uh, even more vivid
1: yeah so um when you start to understand the severity um, of what was inflicted right you described the cat of
0: nine tails in the sermon
1: Yeah, so that, yeah, and that was, um, right, that was uh, the the flogging part. Uh, So you had the flogging, you had um, the beating, you had um, Jesus uh, standing on trial, being punched, slapped, spit on, um, people pulling at and plucking at his beard. Um, You have the Roman soldiers uh, pressing onto his head, um, a, a piercing crown of thorns. Um, and then you have the, the, the scourging, the flogging, um, which would have been absolutely brutal. Um, and, and you see Jesus even there on the cross just uh, dying of thirst. You know, can, can I please have a drink? Um, so it, it is. It's just the, the, the highest king descending to the lowest position of servanthood.
0: And that is our God. Now, as we move into chapter fifty-three, the the prophecy talks about some of the ways the servant would be rejected, uh, which is exactly what we see in Jesus in his earthly ministry. Uh, let's review some of the ways that he was uh, he experienced rejection uh, during his time on earth. Uh, you had mentioned in the sermon that you know his family. Um, you know, there's several things, several verses talk about his, his family is calling for him, they're trying to, you know, have him put away. Obviously, they're at at the, the mock trial, uh, John betraying him there, Judas betraying him uh, before the garden. Um,
1: yeah, so you, you nailed a lot of them, right? So lots of, lots of rejection in his life. Um, you know, and particularly in 50, the beginning of 53, it, it, it really is pointing out there um A couple aspects of the rejection first he's rejected for his roots you know where he comes from uh for he grew up before him like a young plant like a root out of dry ground um and then you get to verse three he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows acquainted from grief grief men uh, hid their faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not so so you have the whole idea there of Um, Jesus being rejected because of his roots, where he came from, and also Jesus being rejected uh, because of his his reputation. Um, So, yeah, Marcus, all those things that that you were saying, you know, rejected um, because of where he was born, uh, rejected because of who his parents were. His dad was a um, kind of no-name carpenter from uh, uh, not a... In unrespectable or not much, not highly respected, podunk, uh, out of the way town, uh, Nazareth. Um, obviously, his mom was uh, un- unmarried and uh, but yet pregnant. So uh, that's not something you try telling this story to everybody that you pass by, and they're going to think you're you're nuts. Um, so uh, he was rejected from um, even his conditions in in which Mary gave birth to him, uh, you know, in a stable. Um, so he experienced a lot of, of this rejection from childhood all the way up until his final breathing moments. And of course, I think that, um, the most painful aspect of the rejection, uh, was there on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, in those moments when, um, the son of God for all the sins of humanity.
0: Now, the Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah in Romans ten 16. Uh, Let's discuss how that applies to chapter 53 uh, to the, and to the ministry of the Christian. Uh, in, in my life, uh, I've faced a different kind of rejection because I don't hold as strict of or dogmatic belief uh, system as my parents do. Uh, and and while I don't concern myself about gaining their approval, uh, I do find my strength for managing my interactions with them from from God, uh, and it also helps that now I live 800 miles away. Uh, so let, let's talk about how Paul is is tying in here to to Isaiah.
1: Yeah. So in uh, so Romans 10, um, in verse 16, remember 9, 10, and 11 is kind of uh, Paul's. Um, his little excursus um, because he's talking about salvation and coming to the Gentiles and all this. And then it's like, all right, well, what happened to the Jews? What about the Jews? So he kind of goes on this excursus in these few chapters. But then so he says in Romans 10, 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the news, uh, meaning not everybody believed. For Isaiah says, quoting uh, 53, 1, Lord, who has believed our message? Uh, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Um so yeah, so Paul even right there, you know, is saying it that what Isaiah 53 1 has to do with is the fact that not everybody's going to believe the message. Not all the the Israelites accepted it as good news. Um the cross really was foolishness. They didn't understand that suffering servant, that concept. Um they um again, I mentioned it in my sermon, you know, they were they were looking for a lion. Uh, God sent them a lamb. Uh, make no mistake, Jesus is returning as a lion, and uh, oh, how amazing that will be. Um, but again, he's returning as an exalted lion um, because he descended um, to the to the depths of becoming our sacrificial lamb. Um, and then God highly exalted him. Uh, so yeah, so Isaiah is saying, Lord, who believes our message? So it's not only the Israelites, but it's also that's something that we could say uh, in our in, in, in our witnessing, in our testimony. Um, you know, for Ken says, Lord, who's believed the message, who's believed your gospel. Uh, for Marcus says, Lord, who's believed our message. Um, but yet, it's not our responsibility to get people to believe. It's our responsibility because we know faith comes from hearing. Um, and faith is brought about in a person's um, uh, spirit uh, by way of the Holy Spirit. Um, so uh, we just give people the opportunity to hear the message and rest is up to them in the Lord.
0: Now, uh, 53, five says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Uh, this first gives us a clear picture of that substitutionary atonement. Uh, you explained it was Christ dying in our place now when we think about substitutes uh it's generally something lesser being substituted for the better thing uh when we think of like sugar substitutes <laughs> uh i there, there's no real substitute whether it's corn syrup or uh fake sugar whatever it is sugar is is always the best Butter's the same way we yep. you know butter is butter you you can't really truly replace butter uh, teachers, you know, when you're in school, the substitute teacher is never the same as, as your real teacher. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a good point this morning. Every, so every morning before school, I asked the girls, hey, what can I be praying for you about? And Olivia's like, oh, today we're going to have a substitute. Please pray that she's not mean. <laughs> so again, she was not looking forward to the substitute because she knew it was going to be lesser than the original.
0: But God supplied a the substitution <clears throat> here in this instance. That's right. Uh, he gave us his best to cover our worst. Uh, I, Ooh, I like
1: that. God gave us his best to cover our worst. That'll preach.
0: Our, um, I, I had a, a, a Bible history professor that explained it, that the sacrifice had to come from God because only he could supply the atonement uh, because the sins of the lesser could not, be satiated except by the gift of the greater. Mm. Because we were so far gone. Uh, Humanity, there there was so many sins that nothing less than Jesus could actually atone for those sins.
1: Yep, that's right. And that's why why God sent us a Savior and not a politician, mathematician, anything else, (laughs) a Savior.
0: All right, so as we come to our close this week, uh, anything in particular that uh, didn't make the cut?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Not, no, not really. This week, I, I, I'll be honest. There wasn't a hole for these. So, it's sermon prep is is always fun, and I approach every sermon as like, "All right, Lord, what are you, what are you going to do this time?" Um, and a lot of times, I get, uh, I could find myself getting very deep into the words and stuff, and that's that's necessary. A good Preacher is going to do that to make sure you're preaching um, what God is communicating. Um, But with these sermons and Isaiah, the two I've done so far, um, it's I've been trying to take more of a pastoral approach, so not getting too deep in the weeds, but more seeing what Isaiah is saying and connecting it immediately to Jesus, and then uh, so we could just walk away with just uh, with utter awe and and thanksgiving and gratitude. For Christ and His work, especially as we enter this Easter season, where uh, so many of us, um, where it's so easy to get busy, to get busy and to get distracted from the, you know, the, the the true purpose of the season. Trying to buy, go out and buy Easter baskets and everything, all this stuff, but just focusing on on Christ. So, um, I mean, there may have been a couple things uh, that. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating that I didn't really hit on was the uh, the fact that um, the, it's it talks about, you know, piercing before um, crucifixion was a thing. In fact, you see that three times uh, in the Old Testament uh, where it, it talks about um, uh, in verse five, the specific word pierced. Um, you have Psalm 22 and then also in Zechariah 12. Um, so I, I think that I always love that. Uh, that piece before <laughs> crucifixion was even a thing you have in the old testament uh prophets talking about this messiah this servant being pierced for our iniquities uh and it's just you can't you can't evade it when you come face to face with the cross it's, it's all the evidence is right there um so uh, so my encouragement to anybody listening is um, spend some a few minutes every day of uninterrupted time the coming days until easter just meditating on and and praying and even um, reading a little bit about uh, this the the final week of jesus and invite your children your your wife your your husband whoever to enter into that process with you um we go through a book called uh it darkest night brightest day uh, with the girls um a, a great little uh book to read if you're a parent read with your kids um but yeah just spend time this week uh abiding in and appreciating the work of our Savior.
0: Amen. All right. This Sunday, uh, Pastor Dave finishes out the Servant Songs, talking about the victorious servant. And then we move on to the book of Jude. So this week, again, we have a Good Friday service starting at 7 p.m. and then three services on Easter Sunday at 30, 10, and 11.30. Please check out the website or the app, and any information you need should be able to be found there. Thank you so much, Pastor Ken, for your time today. Thank you, Marcus. And thank you all for listening in and being part of the conversation. Hope you have a blessed week.